What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of Land Grant Holy Land. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host coming to you on Monday, February 11, 2019. And as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. I uh, I went to the uh, the Ohio State-Indiana game yesterday back in or out in Bloomington. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I was... Um, Driving pretty much all day, and it, uh, we're recording on Monday, so people will know that on Sunday it was snowing quite a bit, which was um, not super fun to drive through. But outside of that, I'm doing well. We've got some um, three positive Ohio State things to talk about this week, which is which is good. It feels like it's been a while since we've had an all-positive episode. Yeah, lots of good stuff to talk about, and we might as well just kick it off with the biggest news of the weekend, and that was that Justin Fields has been granted eligibility for the upcoming football season and will play at Ohio State. This was this pretty much went according to how him and his representative said it would. It was pretty quick. Ohio State got their answer and we know for sure now that Justin Fields is going to be in uniform and most likely will be Ohio State starting quarterback in 2019. Yeah, not a huge surprise. I mean, this is what pretty much everybody has been saying since he, you know, announced that he was coming to Ohio State that this was more likely than not going to be, you know, the the case and that the NCAA really wasn't in a position where they would say no um to his his waiver request. Um but still good to, you know, get the official announcement so Ohio State knows who their quarterback is going to be. I I will say I've seen quite a few articles from from folks mostly national folks saying that this is like now there's a college football free agency as like a bad thing <laughs> that they're, they're you know they're saying that that uh you know college football players being able to um be at a place where they want to be is a, a bad thing or something um and i do think i have not really a rant as much as i do a take on on that um and the, it's not really not really anything too complicated. It's just that um, if this does mean free agency in college football, which I don't think it does, um, but if it did, that would be good because free agency is good and players should be able to be where they want to be. I, I think that's the entirety of my take. People should stop complaining about free agency. Yeah, I agree. I think if, if coaches can move around, then players should have the ability to figure out where they want to go. And, and quite honestly, if a player doesn't want to be at a certain place, if you're a coach and he really wants to be gone, you know, why, why do you want that kid around? And I, I definitely don't, I have seen like some of the oh, sky is falling. What are we going to do? Free agency. But I, I think whether it's that or the NBA and, and free agency and some of these other sports, it makes everything more exciting. It, it gives you a 365 day news cycle. And I think that stuff like that is good for college football. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't have a problem with it. I, I do think that there is something to, I have no better term for this, but I think in certain cases, some kids need to nut up and just stick it out because I do think that some of them don't anticipate competition or want competition despite saying they do. And maybe we, we saw that with Ohio State uh, here in in the last month. But ultimately, the kids deserve to be happy and to play where they want. And I think things like Justin Fields transferring, especially for the reasons that him and his representative said, you know, go go be where you're happy. And if coaches can do it and 
get paid lots of it, lots of money for it, then the players who this whole system is built upon should be able to do it too. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think in terms of on the field stuff that Justin Fields brings, and we've, we've talked about this before he officially came to Ohio State and then again when he did officially come to Ohio State, I think people mostly know what they're, um, what they're getting. But I, I will say it really can't be understated how – how big this news is for Ohio State in 2019 and how big this is for um, for Ryan Day's first season. I don't know how much you've done of looking ahead at the schedule. I've looked at it just a little bit. Um, the non-conference is not, not too tricky. Cincinnati might be uh, tough, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot going on in there. And it, it could be, you know, some some conference games are going to be not um, not great given that uh, Nebraska seems to be better now. Northwestern seems to be still decent, and those are tough Big Ten West you know teams to pull. But it, it's a it's a pretty manageable schedule for a new coach, and when you have a really really good quarterback like Justin Fields and a roster that we think is still going to be really really great, there's I mean there's a really good chance that this could be another 11-12 win season for Ohio State. A, you know, a serious playoff contender is certainly the expectation. And Justin Fields, you know, I, I think he gets you than any other option that they had short of just Dwayne Washington coming back. Um, and I like Matthew Baldwin. I, I think Matthew Baldwin is going to be a really good quarterback. But having Justin Fields this year is, is a huge deal, and I, I really don't think it can be understated. This isn't a one-year thing either because he was a true freshman last year. He'll be a true sophomore this season. So you're going to get, hopefully, two full, very productive seasons out of him. And we'll talk a little bit more about Justin Fields and the rest of the team when we get closer to spring practice and the spring game. But, yeah, it really can't be understated how big of a deal this is for Ohio State, not only to add the star power but also add another quarterback and you, you, you're you not looking so thin along the roster there, but we'll get into that a little bit more as spring practice approaches. The good news, more good news though, like you said earlier, is that we can talk positively about the basketball team right now because they've won... Stunningly. <laughs> they've won three straight games, and the last two have been a little bit crazy. Uh, last Thursday, they beat Penn State 74-70 to in an extremely stupid game, and then... Yesterday on Sunday, they went into Indiana, controlled, I would say, most of the game, looked like they were going to lose it in the last minute and a half, and somehow pulled out a 55-52 to win, and you were there. What was that like? I was there with a couple of my Indiana friends, um, and I mean, also everyone else there was an Indiana fan, so I was surrounded by quite a bit of angst after the game and during the game, and Really, just in general, there's a lot of angst in in Bloomington with um, what Archie Miller has done or not done so far. Um, he does look like the Boss Baby from the movie The Boss Baby. That's something that I learned. Um, people there like to say that a lot. Um, but it, it was, you know, that that last the last couple minutes where it felt like Indiana hit about 16 threes in a row, and and Romeo Langford finally. Um, started to hit his shots, and they they came all the way back from like down nine with two minutes left and uh, tied the game. And then I think it was um, was it Devonte Green who hit that three uh, really late in the game to take the lead. It was like an off balance three right off the inbound. 
And then, you know, it was it was 52-49, Ohio State comes down the floor and C.J. Jackson does just kind of what C.J. Jackson does, where it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and he didn't do a whole lot for the rest of the game, but he hits that ridiculous three from the same spot he hit a game winner last year against Indiana, too, and um, solid defensive possession on the way back down, and then the Andre Wesson dunk was extremely satisfying to watch, um, and the the people around me were not too happy about that. But um, in general, a good win. I, th- I think really not a not a great showing from Ohio State. The the offense was um, kind of disappointing just because they they didn't play super well. But I wasn't like I didn't feel like it was a bad game from Ohio State. They need to clean up the turnovers. Still, I think that's just going to be a thing with this team because it's a it's a young team and they're just going to have turnovers. But um, another good game from Andre Wesson, who has become. Um, a legitimate offensive threat, which has been a nice development this season. He he was really good in the post, which was kind of surprising. Um, Caleb Weston a little bit more quiet. Same with C.J. Jackson. Both had 10 points. Luther Muhammad continues to be good. He didn't shoot super well, but um, just contributes all over the floor. He's a he's a really good player to have, and I think he's um, quickly becoming you know one of the most important players on this team. Um, but you know, overall, you like to go get a win in what was a, a tough environment, even with a down Indiana team. And um, it's a win that Ohio State certainly needed as they now head into the, you know, the, the stretch of Illinois, Michigan State, Northwestern, Maryland, Iowa to end the month. Um, I think if they can grab three of those, they'll be in a really good spot heading into March. And um, hopefully they can they can turn that into a tournament run. And they've completely kind of flipped the script from where they were a couple weeks ago. We talked a lot about that five-game losing streak and now on a three-game win streak. Even though it hasn't been the prettiest, they've been able to find ways to win. And as you said, Andre Wesson has gone a long way in establishing himself. It's not like he's putting up massive numbers. He had 15 points against Indiana, but becoming sort of that guy that Chris Holtman can count on to go get a bucket. We saw it with that dunk. There was no fear. He just took it straight to the lane, yammed it on a couple dudes, and ended up providing Ohio State with the winning bucket. Those are just the type of plays that this team is going to have to make to win games. And it's not going to be pretty a lot of the times. I've kind of thrown that out the window of wanting them to play a complete game in the sense that, hey, if they're up nine with eight minutes left, they're going to be able to grow the lead and win by 13 and really put a team away. That really just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. They're just going to have to win ugly. And I think as long as Caleb Wesson stays out of foul trouble, which for the most part he did against Indiana, and C.J. Jackson is playing relatively consistently, which I think he also did against Indiana, then you're giving yourself a good chance because – what this team lacks in star power, I think it, it makes up for in guys that are going to play hard, guys that are just going to make the right play, and they're going to play tough on defense. And you know what? Sometimes that's all you need, especially in conference play with opponents that you're very used to and the, the scores are going to be tight. It's going to be low scoring. We saw that the first half against Indiana was 23-21. to 21. Indiana loves that plague ball. Just miserable. <laughs> Those are just the games that you're going to have to gut out. And now they're 6-6 six and six in conference play, 16-7 and seven overall. And uh, I'm really happy for those guys because, like I said, it's not going to be pretty, but they're finding a way to get it done right now. And they're going to need to do that here over this next stretch because 
we keep kind of floating the tournament stuff out there. We were pretty unconvinced that it was going to happen about a couple weeks ago. I, I still, I, I'm not really on the fence about it right now. I still think that it's, you know, shaky at best. I know one of the bracketologist guys has them as a, as a nine seed, but if they continue to play like this and have some consistency and continue to play hard, then good things are going to happen. I'll say that. Yeah, they have left on the schedule um, just three games against unranked teams currently. It looks like um, Illinois and then Northwestern twice. So they're gonna have to they're gonna have to win some tough games here. They they've got you know at Michigan State is is tricky. Although Michigan State has been struggling as of late. Um, at Maryland, Iowa at home, at Purdue, and then Wisconsin at home to end the season. It feels like they have to take. I mean, obviously they have to take a couple of those to make the tournament, but. Um, with the with the way that Luther Muhammad has been playing, with the way that Andre Wesson has been playing, Caleb is you know obviously going to to continue to be the centerpiece of this offense. Um, and then C.J. Jackson, like you said, continuing to be consistent, giving them 10, 15 points, whatever it may be, and just not not having too many turnovers is is key. And I, I think that they are capable of winning enough down the stretch that they can grab a, a nine seed or an eight seed or if they can make a run into you know in the Big Ten tournament, maybe even jump up to a seven or a six. But I, I think just making the tournament at all with this roster would be a a success. And obviously, we we have seen what the the other main option when um, you know when Ohio State was hiring Chris Holtman in in Archie Miller has done in Indiana, and it is not as impressive. So I, I think that you know, Holtman, even with the the losing streak this season and with some struggles. Uh, still seems to have Ohio State on the right path. And I think that this team is playing back at a, a higher level that we saw from them in December and November. They're still not quite to the point where I feel comfortable with them in any game. I'm, I'm very worried about the upcoming Illinois game that we can we can talk about a little bit just because of what Illinois does. But I, I think in general, it, it feels like Ohio State has kind of stabilized a little bit. I was reading a Seth, Dev- Seth Davis article on The Athletic this morning that uh, the premise of it was basically he was just getting quotes from anonymous coaches about, I think it was Power 5 teams around the country. And what one coach said about Ohio State, I think, is is fitting to a T about what they are this year. And he said, quote, they're good defensively. They don't beat themselves. They don't have a lot of tricks. I, I think that that's pretty perfect for the way this team plays. They really do not have a lot of tricks. You kind of know what you're going to get. And if they play hard and stay out of foul trouble, they're going to be in the game in the end. And like you said, this Illinois game coming up at home on Thursday, Illinois is 9-15. and 15. They aren't very good, but... They are a little bit tricky. What would you like to see from Ohio State, and and what do you think is the the best possible outcome aside from Ohio State just winning? Well, I would really like to see um, any of the point guards at all prove that they know what a press is, because that's pretty much all Illinois does. I mean, Trent Frazier has been really good for them this season, as has um, Io Dosun, Dosunmu, I think is his name, the freshman guard that they have from Chicago. He's been he's been lighting it up. But outside of that, they're I mean they're a nine and fifteen team. They're not particularly great. Uh, they've actually been pretty solid in Big Ten play so far. They're at five and eight, and they've they've gotten a couple teams with that with that defense. They got Michigan State a couple days ago, and 
um, Maryland before that, but they're you know they're not a very good basketball team. But they they do weird stuff, and I would really like to see Ohio State um, come into the game ready for the weird stuff. They they beat them back in in December by ten, and it was not a particularly fun game for Ohio State just because they could never pull away. And I, I don't expect them to pull away here either. But I, I would like to see them <clears throat> not have thirty five turnovers. I, I think that that's the main thing is to just Keep the turnovers limited. Don't shoot twenty percent, and it, it should be a win. That's you know that's the main thing here for for Ohio State is to to really avoid um, throwing the ball away thirty five times against Illinois' defense. That's part of the next step in growing this team. This is a team you beat earlier in the year. You're better than. You're on a three game winning streak. You finally righted the ship. You know now's not the time to have an inexplicable loss. This is the type of stuff where if they want to get to that next level, if they want to be a tournament team, then take care of business against Illinois. Uh, do you have anything else about the basketball team? Any other hot takes? <laughs> not not as much a take as much as this This might be an article at some point. Uh, yesterday, I think I kind of, it, it dawned on me that most of, if not all of Ohio State's successful lineups and i can only imagine that chris holtman sees this too um most of their successful lineups have at least two of cj jackson luther muhammad caleb weston and andre weston and i i think that for a an ohio state lineup to be successful this year it may be a requirement that they have at least two of those guys out there because there were there were times when both caleb and kyle young were out there and like Musa Jallo and just some weird amalgamation lineups and I, I think that making sure Caleb is the only big guy on the floor um, and then making sure he's on the floor with at least one other of the the top four players is is really key and I, I think that Chris Holman has picked up on that and kind of figured out what lineups work better than the other lineups which has been really important for the last couple of wins. Yeah and it's hard to talk about depth in college basketball because Really, nobody has it other than some of the top teams, but it is clear that when Ohio State has to dip a little bit into that bench... And Justin Orens is not ready yeah, there, for college a lot of basketball. Guys that He's just, not there yet. ...that just either aren't ready or don't fit in or just aren't at that level. And it's hard because you have to play them. You, you can't just rotate six guys. I know that you know there was there were times where Thad did that, but the level of players were also different. And it works different. so well for us. Yeah, the, but, the, but the level of players were also different, especially some of those more star-laden teams. You can get away with that more than, I think, with this group of guys, especially in the past when you had more one-on-one -on -one star-type players. This team just really doesn't have that at this point, so they're going to have to dip into the bench, and like you said, having some of that combination of players on the floor I think is more than just important for this team it's necessary for them to survive yeah for sure and I, I will say I do think this team has decent depth I like Kyle Young a lot off the bench I like Dwayne Washington a lot I like Keyshawn Woods uh, a bit he's I mean he's a backup point guard he's he's okay at it um, and then Jadon Ledee has been He's been impressive to me when he has played. He's only played, you know, a couple minutes a game, but he's really athletic. He gets rebounds. He does not score. He he does not score. But I, I think that he is at least, you know, he, he has flashed potential, and I'm excited to see what 
he can he can do in the future. And same with Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad and Justin Lawrence. I'm excited for all those guys to you know, keep growing as players and to develop into the you know the kind of guys that they were expected to be. And I think a couple of them are already you know to the point where we were we were expecting them to be. But I, I do think that you know balancing that depth, playing Kyle Young, playing Dwayne Washington, Keyshawn Woods are the the main depth guys that they play and finding that balancing act where you get those guys out on the floor but you also keep your four best players out there for the majority of the game and it it feels like Holtman is getting towards understanding that you know you look at the just the Indiana box score CJ Jackson 36 minutes Luther Muhammad 32 Caleb Weston 30 Andre Weston 27 and then next closest was Musa Jallo at 20 and that that feels about right It, it feels like there should be a separation there between those top four guys and then everybody else and um i i will say i'm so so happy to see luther muhammad doing so well and i've i've talked about him quite a bit on the last couple episodes but he he really is just to see him developing into the player that he was expected to be and to see him gaining confidence and i think the same can be said for andre west and it's really really nice it's it's really you know you you it's just you watch these kids struggle for, for a couple weeks in the season, and it's so nice to see them bouncing back and to see Andre Andre Wesson playing with confidence. And I, I think that you know that's that's what led to that game winning dunk is that he was confident enough to do it. He was confident enough to not try and lay it in, and it's just it's really nice. I, I think that you know these guys deserve the success that they're having recently, and hopefully they can keep getting more confident, keep developing, and you know keep winning games. Yeah, and I think that. This depth is going to look much better in 2020 than it does right now. And you're already starting to see signs of guys like that playing well, which is very encouraging. But once that calendar hits next year, you add a couple of more pieces in this recruiting class, then I think you'll really see those guys take a step up. Moving away from basketball, we've asked for questions lately on the podcast. You can send them to at Holy Land Pod on Twitter. And I think we got a really good one today this comes from greg frisch who asks besides bosa and campbell where do you see the other bucks getting drafted there's about eight other dudes 10 total combine invites for ohio state you have any nfl draft analysis because it is interesting where some of these guys are going to go because I i don't think that this is quite as top heavy a group for Ohio State as it has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, outside of the obvious, Bosa probably number one, Haskins probably, what, six to the Giants? I, I think that's where the Giants are. Um, I'm really interested to see where Draymond Jones lands. Uh, my NFL team, the the beloved Cleveland Browns, have a need for a defensive tackle, and I could see him landing there. I could also see him a little bit later on in the first round. Um Paris Campbell, I think, is probably a day two guy, probably early day two, just because of his his speed and his uh, his leadership ability. Um, Terry McLaurin is one that's interesting to me. I think he was going to be a later day pick, probably day three, maybe fifth round before the Senior Bowl, but he went out and really showed off his you know his ability and his character at the Senior Bowl, and I think he could be a, a round two or round three three guy. Um, Outside of that, I don't have a ton of strong takes. I think Kendall Sheffield gets taken in the fourth round as like a flyer pick to see if anyone can uh, actually coach him, you know, which he didn't seem to get a ton of at Ohio State, at least not from Tabor Johnson. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I think Mike Weber could be a, a a late round guy who you know another one of those late round running backs that starts immediately and is a a solid contributor or maybe a a Philip Lindsay type. But outside of that, I, I don't think I have a ton of super strong draft picks. Draymond Jones is an interesting one because we've we've seen him the last three years and he basically played right away from when he stepped on campus. And he didn't have as many eye-catching or eye-popping stats. But when you really just watch him and watch him play, he has been a linchpin for the defense. And I think that he's probably a, a top 50 guy. And wherever he goes can just step in right away and play. I think that he's probably a better pass rusher than what he was asked to do here. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands. The receivers are also, I think, going to be fun to watch because... Terry McLaurin, like you said, from everything I've heard, just like killed it at the Senior Bowl. And I think he's going to be the first one of those dudes drafted, like whether it's the third round or the fourth round. He showed a lot more speed, I guess, than I think people thought he was going to and the ability to like separate and, and break away from guys. And Paris Campbell, I we like Paris Campbell a lot, but I think that he's a guy that might fall to like the fifth or six because when you really watch him like I, I was cutting his highlight tape this year and almost every throw I was like man this is like a screen or a crossing route or like there was that Indiana play where he was just wide open and nobody covered him and he went 80 yards I think that he is going to have to have a big combine because I think he was only one of two kids to decline a senior bowl invite I could be wrong on that but I think it was only like two or three and He's got a lot of ground to make up, and especially when it comes to like route running. Not to say he can't do it, but that's the thing he's going to have to show because, uh, like you said, the leadership is there. The speed is obviously there, which teams covet, but I think just like overall regular receiver play, that's going to be something that he has to show he's able to do and something that we really didn't see a lot of from him at Ohio State. So I think that if you want to really watch an Ohio State player outside of Bosa or um, Haskins at the Combine, he's the one to do it for because he could really help himself or he could really hurt himself. And on that same note, Sheffield, he's going to run like a 4-3 too. And <laughs> a team's going to fall in love with him. And I know that we've been super down on him. But like you said, I don't know that he's gotten the best coaching. And he that's this is going to be his week he could be a guy that everybody is talking about when the combine starts and the dbs get out there because he's a dude that looks great in shorts he can run he's a track guy he has that background uh some of the other dudes here isaiah prince i don't know i i, I know he's got that Sixth combine seventh, yeah probably. he if yeah. if not undrafted johnny dixon is another guy that we're big fans of uh he's short i don't know if he's big enough He's certainly probably got the speed. another late round guy. He's got all those injuries too, which isn't great. I think that he'll probably go undrafted just because of the injury history, the size. I think he can play in the stuff. NFL. I though. think he can too. No, for sure. But I, I think that he has so many questions that a team just going to be able to grab him after the draft and his perseverance and all the stuff off the field. He's shown that he can get through. So I don't have any doubt that he can be able to at the very least be a practice squad guy and then Michael Jordan is probably like second or third round guy that at least he's he's shown that he's versatile I mean if, if you really need him to play center because 
your first two guys are, are injured, you can put him there. But I think that he's going to have a really good week during the combine as a guard. And he's going to have a long career as a guard. And it's a shame that he wasn't able to just play guard this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see Michael Jordan as like a, a third round guy that immediately can contribute at guard for somebody. Um, the Raiders are going to draft Kendall Sheffield in the first round after he runs a 4-2 flat. <laughs> yeah, that's my take. That, that's the most likely <laughs> scenario that's going to happen. Also, the Patriots could draft him. You know, Greg Schiano, new defensive coordinator. The Patriots are going to draft C.J. Saunders. They're going to draft the rights to draft C.J. Saunders next year. <laughs> and he's going to catch 98 passes for 1,450 yards in 18 And touchdowns. all of his friends will be right. They will have been right, and I will have to apologize publicly. Ultimately, we'll Oops. get owned as we always do. <laughs> that was a great question, though, Greg. Make sure to send... Any other questions about football, the NFL draft, literally anything, send them to us at Holy Land Pod. Patrick is at Patrick underscore Mayhorn, and I am at Dubsco. Do you have anything else? Nope. Let's get out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. want to thank you guys for listening to today's show. We'll be back next week talking about the basketball team and any other news that pops up. Make sure, once again, to send any questions you have to at Holy Land Pod. Follow us on Twitter there. Visit the website landgrantholyland.com and give us a follow there at landgrant33. But until next time, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.